Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. All right, John, Revelation 13. John and the Antichrist. We'll read verses 1 through 8. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and um, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of, the, one of his heads as it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like unto the beast who was able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. What is that forty and two months a reference to? The great tribulation. What are two other ways you could say that? One thousand two hundred and sixty days or Three and a half years. Very good. Very good. Uh, where was I? Verse 6. Verse 6. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given, given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life, in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. All right, so Daniel's little horn, Paul's man of sin. Let's write these up here. Sounds funny to say Daniel's little horn. Sounds like a little toy. Daniel's little horn... Paul's man of sin, son of perdition, that wicked, all the same person. Um, 
Isaiah, Isaiah's Assyrian and uh, John, John's beast. Same person. The Antichrist. Now, if we go back and you read Daniel 7, verses 7 through 8, Daniel 7, verses 19, 19 through 20, and Daniel 7, verses 23 through 25, you'll see many similarities to Revelation 13, 1 through 8. Both beasts come out of the sea. Uh, you see again here this connection between the, the parts of the beast described here with the, the, the leopard and the bear and the lion. Take us right back to Daniel 7. Uh, the, the, it shows the connection of the, 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 maybe the influence that these kingdoms have as they consume one another. Going all the way out to this, this last kingdom. That will finally come. Both are diverse, different from anything the world has ever seen before. Ten toes, the ten horns of Daniel help us to link to Revelation 13. Um, They both cause their troubles for the same length of time, which is 1,260 days or 42 months or three and a half years. All the same time frame. The Antichrist will rule over. All right, now turn to Daniel 9. I want to make sure you see this um, and get this important connection. Daniel 9 27. All right, so this is the idea. The Antichrist will rule over the full, they will, will rule over the earth, everything. He'll be, he'll be in charge. For the full seven years of the time of Jacob's trouble. Um, Now this verse that we're going to read sort of indicates that you're going to have the covenant between the Antichrist and Israel. Uh, Israel will be given access to the temple again. The uh, sacrifices will resume. The law, practice of the law of Moses will resume. And, and that covenant is for seven years. So it could be that the seven-year tribulation period might start with the making of this covenant. Uh, Dan- Daniel 9, look at verse 27. That's what we were going to read. Um, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one, what is that? One week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So he makes this covenant for one Week. How many days are in a week? Seven days. This is in prophetic terms. So this is seven days of years. All right. So it's a treaty or it's a covenant for seven years. And then in the midst, what's what's the middle of seven years? 
3.5 years. So the first three and a half years, while God's judgments are raining down on the earth, Israel will be allowed to go into the temple, sacrifice, and do, with, do as they wish in the temple according to the covenant. But then he's going to break that covenant. He's going to cause the sacrifice to cease. He's going to set himself up in the temple, or at least an image of himself that's going to be lifelike. And you're either going to worship that, or you're going to die or be left for dead. And then the first three and a half years is called tribulation. All right, God's breaking the seals. God's All that stuff is happening that you read about in the first several chapters of Revelation. Then the second three and a half years is called great tribulation. He keeps the covenant for three and a half years. Then he breaks the covenant, bringing us into the great tribulation. Uh, His time will come to an end. We are, look at Zechariah 14. We'll see what brings about, what what causes this powerful, smooth-talking, this man who can destroy wonderfully, what happens to him? Zechariah 14, verses 2 through 4. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. And half the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall, shall not be cut off from the city. All right, so you understand what's happening here? This is really bad. Houses rifled, women ravished. God, God doesn't need to give extra details. You see what's going on here. This is a horrendous, ruthless battle. And God said that that he's going to gather the nations to Jerusalem for this battle. (laughs) Uh, So they're pouring into Jerusalem, uh, ready for this fight. Verse 3, then shall the Lord go forth, uh uh-oh, and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem, on the east and, and and the Mount of Olives shall cleave. In the midst thereof, toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain will remove toward the north and half toward the south, and he shall and he and ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from the uh, before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. All right, so that's us. We're coming with the Lord. He's going to come put his feet down on that mountain, and that mountain's just going to, it's just going to split and, and, and go one way and the other. It's going to fill that valley, and then the Lord's going to go in, and he's going to deal with this himself. So that's the end. It's all fun and games. You can have your way and you can, you know, ravage the women, rifle the houses, slaughter people, kill people, destroy wonderfully until the king of kings steps down on the scene. Then it's over. You're done. It's, it's not even a, it's like, oh, who, let's, I, I hope Jesus wins. <laughs> 
It's like we we got to watch the battle and see who's going to be victorious. We already know who's going to be victorious. The Lord, I mean, the Lord's so confident. He said, I wrote it down ahead of time. This is exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to show up and I'm going to take him out. Well, Lord, do you need some help? No. I mean, you can ride with me if you want and watch, but <laughs> I mean, we get to ride back with him. But why? What are we doing? Are we just a show of force? <laughs> it's like <laughs> there's Jesus, but oh, no, the church. <laughs> it's like, no, it's going to be there's Jesus. What do we do now? Well, you're going to do anything. You're going to die. You rejected him. You fought against him. You tried to kill his people. You're going to die. The Bible says when he comes out of Median, when he comes out of the area of Saudi Arabia, blood will flow as high as the horse's reign. So choose wisely. I just hope I get to watch. In my glorified body following Jesus. (laughs) I mean, what does 2 Thessalonians say? He destroys him with just with the countenance of his coming. <laughs> like, it's not even a, it's, you know, it's like he just shows up. It's like swatting a mosquito. Like, uh, it's gone. <laughs> so that's, that's what's coming. You can also read about it. Look at Revelation 19. Might as well go ahead and read it. Revelation 19. In case you were wondering, does Jesus win? Does the Antichrist win? Is it a close battle? What happens? Verses 11 through 16. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness righteousness, he doth judge and make war. But Jesus just loves everybody. Uh, not on that day, he doesn't. So Jesus doesn't just love everybody. God is love. God is angry with the wicked every day. Do you know what God hated Esau? It says that in the Bible. He said, I hate Esau. He said that that I, I hate those who sow discord among the brethren. Those are people. So God doesn't just love everybody and think everything everybody does is okay. If you're ungodly and you're against him, he hates you. Why would you put yourself in that position? Because this is what's going to happen. Where was I? And make war. Verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire. That's not good. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name, his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed, upon him, uh, followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Finally, for once, <laughs> white and clean, not defiled, not dirty, and we're following the Lord like we were supposed to do in the first place. Wherever he goes, we get to go with him. Lord, you're going to go fight? Can we go with you? <laughs> yeah, you can come with me. <laughs> Uh, He doesn't need help. I mean, what's the point? We just get to be there. That was the promise. He said in John, uh, was John 14, he said, I I go to prepare a place for you. And when I come back, I will take you to be with me. Not to heaven, to be with me. So 
Jesus, you're going to go with the Antichrist? Yeah. Can we go? Wherever I go, you get to go with me. Let's go. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's exciting for if you're, on the, if you're on his side. If you're not on his side, I don't think people fully grasp the destruction, the death that Jesus is going to cause. It's going to be horrendous. And for what? For your sin? For your lust? For your desires? For your unbelief? You would exchange receiving this, being on the receiving end of the Lamb of God who's going to come back to make war because you have some little sin that you don't want to let go of? That's not a good exchange. I don't recommend it. Verse 15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it, that with it should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Do you fully grasp that sentence? That, that, that is, he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. Do you know what you do in a, a winepress? You, you press that, you smash those grapes until what's called the blood of the grape, the juice, flows out. All right, so you're getting the picture of what the Lord's going to do when he comes back? He's going to be smashing people to the point that blood flows. Why would you choose to be on that, that, that side of this thing? You have a choice. And many people... Many people in the middle of the tribu- tribulation are going to be receiving these judgments for God from God, and they're going to look up in heaven and shake their fist at him and blaspheme him. <laughs> so you choose your side, I've chosen mine. Verse 16, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried, that'd be something to see. An angel standing in the sun. Imagine one day you look up at the sun and there's an angel standing in the middle of the sun. Uh, I, mean, that, I, I just hope I get to see it all. I want to be there. I want to see every bit of it. I'm just going to stay behind Jesus in case somebody tries to do something. I'm like, here's the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. You talk to him first and then we'll, we'll, we'll see what you need me to do. Uh, so uh, an angel standing in the sun, it just, that'd be... That'd be interesting. Uh, And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of, of, of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and of the flesh of all men, both free, bond, small, great. And I saw the beast And the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) They gathered together for the fight. And the Lord just said, pop, (laughs) he just took him. Wait a minute. I thought we were going to, like, you came to make war. I've got my army. I thought we were going to fight. And the Lord just said, (laughs) 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 And the beast was taken, 
and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, uh, with which he deceived them, and, and that, that had, had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. They didn't even die the second death. Just cast them in the lake of fire. That's your, that's your resting place. That's his end. That's, that's what he has to look forward to. So with, with all his wonderful blasphemy and his wonderful destruction and, and his leadership and his ability to bring peace and his, his ability to manipulate the world with peace, if a man could show up who would bring peace, the whole world would worship that, that man. He doesn't even have to bring peace. He just has to, get, has to give the illusion of peace. And the whole world would go after him and do whatever he said. And that's what's coming. Um, that, that's, that's what's next. All right. Now, with the time we have left, now we're going to talk about the Antichrist in the first half of the tribulation. All right, and by tribulation, I mean two things. The time of Jacob's trouble, right? That's the full seven-year period, right? So this is the seven-year period, the whole thing. I can spell. I'll get it there eventually. All right, so that, that, the time of Jacob's trouble, that's the full seven-year period. Right? That, that's what we often call the tribulation. Right? But the tribulation is actually in two parts. Right? So if you're going to talk about the tribulation as a whole, the, the proper term, not that anybody's going to fight you over, but the proper term is the time of Jacob's trouble. That's the full seven-year period. Okay. Now, the first half of the tribulation is called the tribulation. And it's three and a half years. All right, does everybody understand that? Everybody with me on that so far? All right, so that's, that's the time of Jacob's trouble. The first half is three and a half years. All right. So first of all, the, the Antichrist is a person. I mean, everything we've looked at is describing a person. Not an entity, not a power, not an organization. It's a person. Um. Look at, well, we already read Daniel 7. Uh, go back to Daniel. Let's read it. We got, we got several passages in Daniel, so let's read it again. Daniel 7. Daniel 7, verses 7 through 8. At this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And it had... And it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom plucked up, uh, uh, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this, in, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, 
and a mouth speaking great things. Daniel 8, verses 8 through 9. Therefore the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. And, and out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. Uh, verse 23. Again, we, we've read these, but it's good to read again. Verse 23. And, and, and in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding, dark sentences shall stand up. So he comes to power, and, and he doesn't come to power until the transgression is full. All right, that'd be for Israel. And I think that would also include the kings of the earth, the nations. The Lord gets a point where he's had enough. He says, all right, church is going away. Um, the Antichrist, it's all yours. And it gets turned over to him. And, and then God starts raining out his judgments and, and all those things start taking place. Um, Back to Daniel 7, verses 3 through 6. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to him. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in, in the mouth uh, of it, between the teeth of it. And they, and they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the, the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four, beasts, four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were, that were before it, and it had ten horns. All right, so the, the Antichrist, in, in the first half of the tribulation, he is going to be the fourth king after the fall of Babylon. All right, so when Daniel makes his prophecy, he's, he's in the Babylonian kingdom. Belshazzar is king. Belshazzar is at the end of his, his, his life. It's about to be over for him. It's about to be over for Babylon, period. Persia's coming in. Uh, so Persia's going to be the first out of these four kings. And, and that's going to take us out to the fourth king, which will be the Antichrist. Uh, Daniel 11. Daniel 11, verses 21 through 24. And in his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, 
but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. And with the army and with the arms of a flood shall they be over over uh, be overflown from before him, and shall be broken. Yea, also the prince of the covenant. And after the league made with him, he shall work deceitfully, for he shall come up and shall become strong with with a, a small people. Verse twenty three, verse twenty four. And he, he shall enter peaceably, even upon the fattest places of the province, and he shall do that which his fathers have not done, nor his father's fathers. He shall scatter among them the prey and spoil and riches. Yea, and he shall forecast his devices against the strongholds, even for a time. All right, so this king, he's going to use his... Countenance, dark sayings, peace. So many times that last passage mentioned how he's going to use peace, and it's a deception. And what's the world? They're always saying, we want to bring peace to the Middle East. We just want peace among men. Well, he's going to offer it to them, but it's manipulation. It's a deception. Jesus Christ said, I'm the Prince of Peace. I'm the only one that can give you peace. And the peace I'm going to give you is not like the peace the world gives you. What the world gives you is is a false sense of peace. It's not even real. All right, so he's going to use his, his great strength. All these are going to be tools of manipulation. He's going to use them to to help establish his power and and, and to keep progressing and and doing what he wants. Look at, uh, get two places, 2 Thessalonians and Revelation 13. In this first half of the tribulation, he's going to be able to do great wonders, which will quickly capture the the hearts and minds of our Pentecostal friends. (laughs) You imagine if the people that claim to be Pentecostal, you know, all the charismatic and Pentecostal churches, all the insane things that they do, and on television for people to watch, what if somebody showed up and could really do it? What would they do? They'd go after that guy in a heartbeat. Whatever he wants, whatever he says, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and what? Lying wonders. wonders. All right, so as the sign gifts passed away, the epistles told us, if you start seeing those signs, miracles, and wonders again, run. (laughs) Run. If somebody did show up and they could raise someone from the dead, they could heal someone, God said, you better get away from that person. Because they're going, the Antichrist is going to use these things to deceive people. Even possibly the very elect. All right, so these are going to be tools used for deception. So if somebody shows up and they can do this, Right now, you've got a bunch of people barking like dogs and laughing like idiots on, on television and, and saying that they're full of the Holy Spirit, which is blasphemous. It's not real. 
Right? If, if the, the apostle that comes to town and puts his signs up everywhere for you to come listen to him, why didn't he go to the Masaka hospital and clear it out? Because he can't. All he can do is put on a show and trick Ugandans into bringing him. Ugandans, many of whom who don't have money, will go give that guy his money in the hopes that they get some kind of blessing out of it. What do you think they're going to do when the Antichrist shows up? And he says, I can feed you. I can heal you. I can do signs, wonders, and I mean, they're lying wonders, but they are wonders. They're going to follow him like he won't lose them. They will stay right by his side and do whatever he says. Revelation 13, verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Mm. Uh, that's the next one. Look at verse 13. That's the one I wanted. I was like, that's, that doesn't fit. Verse 13. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. Now, is, do you see that little note? In the sight of men. What does that, make, what does that sound like to you? Like God's, God's saying to you? Huh? It sounds like it's not real, but he's able to do, he's able to do it well enough. He's able to put on a good enough show in the sight of men that men, wow, look at that. God didn't say that about Elijah. Those men with their captain of fifties come up and <laughs> Elijah come down. <laughs> or no, he said, man of God, come down. He said, if I be a man of God, let fire fall from heaven. <laughs> fire come down and take out all 50 of them. And then another 50 has to come and ask him again. <laughs> Finally, the last guy's like, wait, <laughs> please don't call down fire on us. <laughs> all right, so God does, God's not like, well, in the sight of men. No, there was nobody there to see that. It was just Elijah. I mean, the, the, 50, the captain and his 50 were there, but they didn't last long. <laughs> they were burned up, so... Uh, next he'll be wounded Revelation 13 you're already there look at verse 3 we just read it and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast and you couple that with Zechariah 11 Zechariah 11 and uh, verse 17 Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean, dried up, and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. So he's going to be attacked. He's going to get hit with a sword, and it's going to kill him. And and he's going to die, and he'll be brought back from the dead. And according to the Lord, he won't get that eye back, but he will get his life back. Um, He's confederate with ten nations. All right, so we, we read, turn to Psalm 82, 83, I think. I think I wrote the wrong passage here. Turn to Psalm 83. I'm 98% sure it's Psalm 83. Yes, uh, Psalm 83. Yeah. Uh, all right, so, so we want to, make it, we want to connect, connect a few ideas here before we read this. Um, all right, so wh- whoever we believe this last kingdom to be, we know it will be ten kings, right? 
There's, there's no question about that. And the Antichrist will arise out of these ten kings, right? I'm suggesting he is Assyrian. He is the Assyrian in Isaiah. I think he's going to come from Assyria, which today, what the, 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 the dominant existing country that was part of Assyria is Syria. All right, that's, that's where my head is at. Now, wait till you see what we're going to put together here. You know, again, this is something that I can't make a hard connection here. I can't tell you this is 100% fact, but it's awfully interesting. Um, we're going to read in Psalm 83. Let me fix that real quick if I can. Um, we're going to read in Psalm 83 about 10 kings that are confederate against Israel, and it's a future prophecy. This is what's even more interesting. These 10 kings, every nation that's about to be listed, every one of them is Islamic. By the way, so is Syria. It's just, what does it mean? You say, what what does that mean, Brother Thomas? I don't know. (laughs) You... You uh, make of it what you want and do the best we can with what we know. Uh, I lost my place. Hold on one second. Psalm 83. All right. Psalm 83. Let's read. Um, we'll read the whole chapter. Keep not, keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult. And they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. Now, that you see that little phrase, thy hidden ones? What, what would that take your mind to? Christians. Hmm? Not Christians. The remnant in the tribulation, running, hiding. Right? You have this, con- this confederacy of nations against them. And, and so he's talking about their, the, the hidden ones. Verse 4, they have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation. Now, it's very interesting. All these nations that we just talked about, I just said that they're Islamic. Um, if you go and you look at each one of these countries and you look at their current policy about Israel, they literally say something to the effect of cut them off from being a nation. Some of them go on to say, we want to push them into the ocean because they're, they're right there on the, on the Red Sea and the Mediterranean. So they want to push them into the ocean and, and, and get rid of them. They want to cut them off from being a nation. Um, the Bible said that they would say that in confederacy together. And, and they do that already now. Uh, all right, verse 5. For they have, con- they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee, the tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagarenes, Jabal and Ammon and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre. Aser also is joined with them. They have hoping... 
the children of Lot, Selah. Now this is even more interesting. Guess what the capital of Assyria was? Asser. So that was the capital of Assyria. The, the, the old capital, the old Assyria. So uh, now, can I say it's going to be the capital of Assyria again and that it's going to be brought to the same place of prominence? I, I, I don't know that. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of biblical evidence that points to the possibility, but I can't tell you for sure that that's going to happen. Um, so so that I'm, I'm not telling you this is you know, hard doctrine that you need to know and, and, and live by, but I am saying it's awfully interesting, and there's a lot of evidence that, that brings it all together. So uh, where was that? Verse 9. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Sisera, as to Jabin, uh, at the brook of Kisan, which perished at Endor. They became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb, yea, all their princes as Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, Let us take to, take to ourselves the houses of God in, in possession. O oh my God, make them like a wheel, as the stubble before the wind, as the fire burneth. Now, what, what did God say he was going to do to that image? going to grind it to powder and it'll be carried away by the wind. Right? And here, here they're asking God, make them as the stubble before the wind. As the fire burneth a wood, as the flame setteth the mountains on fire, so persecute them with thy tempest and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever, yea, let them be put to shame and perish, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the Most High over all the earth. Daniel, what did Daniel say that the Most High was going to do? Anybody remember? The Most High was going to set up a kingdom. That would never end. And here his people are saying, show them that you're the most high that, rule, that rules over all the earth. And he's absolutely going to come back and do that. All right. Now, I think there's a strong connection here with these 10 kings. I think there's a strong connection with the Antichrist being the Assyrian. Uh, they're, they're all confederate together against Israel. This is future prophecy. This is not something that's happened already. It's, this is all pointing to, to the latter time. So it's definitely in the time frame. I, I think it fits. Oh, by the way, guess where Asser was located? This just further adds to the evidence. Babylon. Today it's northern Iraq. So what's that, what's that great city that they're going to be fighting in the book of Revelation? Babylon. Not Rome. Babylon. So uh, there's the evidence. You do what you want with it. It's up to you.
put those minds to work and find out what you believe. Now, what's preventing his coming? Turn to 2 Thessalonians 2. Second Thessalonians 2, verses 6 through 7. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. All right. So this is often a topic for discussion. People, you know, what, what, who, who is this that's letting? All right, the word let is an interesting word. All right, so what it actually means, we, we use it a little bit different today. It, it's, we still use it in a very similar way. We just put a different emphasis on it. it to, to let means to be given permission, right? Like if, if, if you, know, you want to use this, I have to let you use it. If I don't let you, it's preventing you. Right? All right, so, so what he's saying here is something is letting, but it's in the negative form. Something is preventing. It's, it's not letting. Remember when Paul said, I, I, I wanted to go to Rome, but I was let hitherto. He's saying I was prevented, that, that, that whatever it was that gave the permission would not let me. All right, and so instead of saying I, I was not allowed to go, he said I was let Hitherto, the, the permission was not given. So, so in, in, in old English, you could use it both directions. Why are you here? Well, they let me come. Why didn't you come? They didn't let me. <laughs> so you see how it, it works both ways. All right. So something is, is literally preventing the Antichrist from coming. All right. Now, the natural answer that people tend to go to is the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's a, you know, it's, there's a good reason for that, that they would say that. But there's a slight problem with that. The Holy Spirit was in the earth and working before the church. And the Holy Spirit will still be in the earth working after the church, at least to a certain extent. All right, so it doesn't seem that that, can, that alone can't be the answer. It's the combination of the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. That's the only thing that changes before the Holy Spirit or for the uh, Antichrist comes to power. The body of Christ, who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, is gone. We're taken away. So that literally means the work you do on a daily basis on behalf of Jesus Christ as a member of the body of Christ, helps to prevent the coming of the Antichrist. That's a funny thing because, you know, there's a whole segment of Christians. There's even a big segment of Baptists who believe you have to help Jesus bring in the kingdom. So they believe you have to go out and serve God to help make the earth in such a condition that Jesus comes back. Not knowing that it's that same work that's preventing <laughs> The Antichrist from coming. If the Antichrist doesn't come, Jesus is not coming. <laughs> All right, so it's it's a it it, it, it you just, they don't you got to think it through a little bit better than that. 
so it is in part the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit had a ministry on the earth before the start of the church, and he will have work to do after. So it's, it's not the Holy Spirit alone. It's his working through us that is preventing the, Holy, the, the, the uh, Antichrist from coming. Uh, the full preventing component is the body of Christ who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians 1. We'll, we'll look at some, I mean, they're familiar passages, but if you, if you, if you read them in this, in this context with this idea in mind, it has a whole new, has new meaning to it. Uh, verse 23, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all and all. So just identifying the body of Christ, Ephesians 5. Verse 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. We are the body of Christ. Colossians 1, real fast. Running out of time. Colossians 1, verse 24, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. All right, so we are the body of Christ, Ephesians 6. Now, what do we do as members of the body of Christ? Uh, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and pow- against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, my question to you is, do you? Are you wrestling against principalities and powers and against the darkness of this world and the wickedness of this world? Or are you partakers? All right, so, so, so long as you are doing what this says, then we are preventing the principalities, the powers, the darkness of this world, the wickedness of this world from taking over and doing what it wants to do. It's us. The world, they think they hate us. They, well, I wish you would leave. No, you don't. Because <laughs> if I leave, if the body of Christ leaves, you're really in trouble. <laughs> right, so you should, be, you should be thanking me for being here. <laughs> you should have said, man, you need anything? <laughs> Can you stay longer? <laughs> uh, they think they want to get rid of us, but we are literally what's preventing all this stuff we've been talking about from, from beginning. Right? Once we're taken out of the way, there's nothing to prevent. There's nothing to let. The, Holy, I mean, the, the, the Antichrist just has his way. Uh, now, the Holy Spirit will be doing things here, he'll be doing things there, be, you know, he, he, he has different tasks that he'll be doing all, or, or in different places. Look at James 4. Let's look at one more real fast. James 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to, the, uh, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay, if, if we're not here, who's doing that? Nobody. They're going to be, most, most people, the, the, the overwhelming majority, are going to give themselves over to the devil. They're like, oh, look, he's, he blasphemes God so beautifully. <laughs> I think I'll follow this man. And they're going to do whatever he asks. So, um, all right, so that, that's what's preventing him from coming. All right, real fast. We'll run through this really fast. Antichrist in the second half of the tribulation.
What's the second half called? The Great Tribulation. Revelation 13, real fast. Revelation 13 and verses 11 through 18. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. That's interesting. Why does he want to be like a lamb? And he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. All right, so once we're gone, this is what happens. They just... They're holy. There's nothing else for them to. Who, what, what's the counter message? There's not one. What's what's the counter force? There's not one. Uh, so, um, where was that? Verses eleven through eighteen. Verse verse twelve. And he exercises all the power uh, and talks about his deadly wound. Verse thirteen. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven. On the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth. You see, there it is. He did it in the sight of men, and deceived them. All right. So it, there's there's something to it, but not as much to it as as he would like you to think. Which is basically what they do today. But and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image. To the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast uh, should be killed. Now, y- y- none of you have been to America, so you don't know how common what we just read already is. You go to one theme park in America, you'll see the most amazing sights you've ever seen in your life. Talking animals, talking beasts, talking superheroes, talking presidents, lifelike, moving uh, dinosaurs chasing you through a, you know, a building. The, the, the world is ready for this. All right, now, parts of the third world might look at this and say, uh, I remember one time I was watching a documentary and this guy went to Saudi Arabia, and he was interviewing these Bedouins in Saudi Arabia. And we don't have time for this, but it's, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it. So he's interviewing these Bedouins in Saudi Arabia. And I forget what the topic of, of, of the documentary was, but they believed the U.S. government was lying to Saudi Arabia about something. And the interviewer said, well, why do you believe that? He said, we have seen on television they can make pigs talk. <laughs> and so he was so serious he was like we know what they can do <laughs> it's like, all right good job all right anyways let's read the rest of this uh where do we leave off um verse 15 and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and caused that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Uh, And that no man might buy or sell, save he that hath the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast... For it is the number of a man. 
And his number is 603 score and six. Okay, so is a barcode the mark of the beast? No, that's stupid. Is a microchip the mark of the beast? What, what, show me in the Bible where you would get that idea. All right, now, should you get a microchip implanted in your body? <laughs> that's up to you. I'm not doing it, but that's, a, that's up to you. <laughs> that's between you and, and the Lord, all right? I mean, they're talking about now you can put it in your brain, and it can help your brain to process ideas and facts and all sorts of things. I don't care. I would rather just use the brain God gave me. You're not sticking nothing in my head if I can prevent it. All right, so, but that has nothing to do with the mark of the beast, It's going to be intimately connected to a number. That number is the number of a man. When you start putting that together, guess what people do? They say, oh, the barcode, it has six numbers and six parts. And it's just shut up. It's stupid. They're going to go right into the book and they're going to sell it to a bunch of gullible people who don't take time to study the Bible and see that it has absolutely nothing to do with a barcode. It does have something to do with the, the, the number of a man. And when somebody shows up and starts telling you that they're going to put a mark on your hand or on your head, and it's related to the number 666, you should be concerned. <laughs> Till then, it's not barcodes. It's not implants. It's not any of that garbage. It's, it's, now, that's interesting. That's technology. I don't want it. I'm okay with a phone. I'm okay with a laptop. There's a lot of technology I like. I'm not okay with you putting it in me. (laughs) All right, that's, that's, that's crossing some bounds I'm not okay with. All right, so he will cause... All right, let's run through this real fast. The beast will restore the Antichrist after he is wounded. Then he will cause the Antichrist to be worshiped. This may be why there are limitations to the sign gifts given to the apostles. Could you imagine if we did have sign gifts today? Some of our brethren can't show up to church and act right. I mean, they're they're so prideful and proud of themselves. If they had sign gifts, you know what they would do with them? They'd have a following. They they would have themselves elevated as gods, and and, and it'd be a mess. So uh, God limited, limited those things, probably for a number of reasons, but I think that's one of them. An image of the Antichrist will be made, and then it will be given life by the false prophet. Any who refuse to worship the image will be put to death or left for dead. You won't be able to buy anything. Can you imagine being a mother with four or five kids? Mom, I'm hungry. Yeah, but the only way to get food is to take that mark. There's no other way to get food. Well, what are we going to do? I don't know. There is no way to get food. There's nothing. So it's either sit and starve to death, hope you can make it another three and a half years until Jesus Christ comes back, or take the mark. It's a horrendous situation. Now, once worship, the devil will enter into him and indwell him. Then he will rule and blaspheme God for three and a half years, 42 months or 1,260 days. After the Lord's tribulation, judgment and devastation by the beast, the kings who remain will give dominion to the beast. That's in Revelation 17, verses 12 through 17. The agreement has been broken and sacrifice to God has ceased. Uh, Isaiah 28, verse 15 and 18, uh, at that point, at, at the end of that three and a half year period, the Lord's going to come back and he's going to, it's going to be the Antichrist who's trodden down. Daniel 9, 27, the sacrifice and oblation will, will cease. Daniel eleven thirty 30 through 31, 
The, the, the Antichrist will pollute the sanctuary. Daniel 8, 11 through 12, a host will prosper in place of the daily sacrifice. And then 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 4, the abomination is the image of a man who declares himself God. Look at Ezekiel 8 real fast. This is interesting. Um, Ezekiel 8, and we'll read verse 1 through 6. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, uh, as I sat in mine house, and the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell there upon me. Then I beheld, and lo, a likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins, even downward, downward fire, and from his loins, even upward, as the appearance uh, of brightness, as the color. Let me make sure I'm in the right place so we don't waste time here. Yeah, Ezekiel 8, 1 through 6. Yeah, verse 3. And he put forth the form of an hand and took me by the lock of mine head, and the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me in in uh, the visions of God to Jerusalem to the door of the inner gate that looked that looketh toward the the north where was the seat of the image of jealousy which provoketh to jealousy all right so it's all part of that image and that goes on down to verse 12 or uh, excuse me verse verse 8 verse 6 wherever i am on my notes verse 6 uh, now, Daniel 7, 19-26, he makes war with the saints until Christ returns. Daniel eight twenty five, he will stand against the Lord himself. He's going to try and stand against Jesus Christ. And then the Lord's just going to pluck him and <laughs> send him away. But look at this, Isaiah 10. This will be the last verse. Very interesting verse. I'm just, just saying has good meaning to me. Hope it does to you. Isaiah 10, verses 5 through 13. Oh, who is that? Assyrian. Assyrian. Interesting. The rod of mine anger and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. I will send him against an hypocritical nation and against the people of my wrath. Will I give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets? What's the Antichrist going to do to God's people, to the Jews? He's going to stamp on them. He's going to tread them. Uh, the, the temple will be tread underfoot. Verse 7, Howbeit he meaneth not so, neither doth his heart think so, but it is in his heart to destroy and cut off nations, not a few. For he saith, Are not my princes altogether kings? Is not uh, Calno and, and, and list all these uh, nations here. Uh, how far down we want to go? Come down to verse 11. Shall I not, as I have done unto Samaria and her idols, so do to Jerusalem and her idols? Wherefore, it shall come to pass that when the Lord hath performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his high looks for he saith, by the strength of my hand, I have done it, and by my wisdom, uh, for I am prudent, and I have removed the bounds of the people, and have robbed their, their treasures, and I have put down the inhabitants like a valiant 
man. He is proud of himself. This is what's so interesting about that passage. The Lord's judging the Assyrian with reference to treading Jerusalem underfoot. All right, so this, is, this, is, this, is, this brings us right to what we're talking about. But the Lord says, I'm going to let him judge the idolaters, and then I'm going to judge him. <laughs> That's exactly what God did with Babylon. It's exactly what he did with Persia. exactly what he did with Assyria. All the nations who came against Israel, on God's behalf, he used them to judge Israel, and then he came back and judged them himself. Then his final end, Revelation 19.20, cast into the lake of fire, alive. So that's the Antichrist in the second half of the tribulation. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.